Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
you are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Show. 
I'm your host, Rory Sodder. Happy Thursday. I hope you all are having a great day. The weekend is approaching, which is always exciting. I hope your week has been very productive, very, you know, uh, got a lot done, um, you know, eventful, um, and going all accordingly, of course. Um, we had a great show yesterday. I want to thank all of my special guests from yesterday. Um, we have a huge show today. Today's show, uh, foreign policy analysis, oil and natural gas investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, radical Islam expert, and contributor to the dailycaller.com, clashdaily.com, livezet.com, dailysurge.com, and thehill.com. Dan Perkins will be calling in. Very, very popular guy. Very, um, very smart dude. Big resume. Uh, we also will be having a political strategist, activist, and popular talk show host, uh, Josh Bernstein, will be calling in later on. Um, very excited for that. Mike Zola will be joining us shortly. Um, I do believe I have uh, Josh on the line, my co-host Josh. How you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. Uh, glad to be on again. It's good, it's good to have you, man. Good to have you back. Um, you know, it's, it's been a big day in the media, um, a lot going on. First of all, I want to tell all my listeners, um, please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. That is your one-stop shop destination for unique, creative, and customized um, Trump merchandise and apparel. And uh, we, have a, we have so many things to choose from. You'll love it. Um, you can also visit rorysodder.tv. And also, we will be coming out with a new media company over the weekend, um, the Next Gen USA, it will be called. And we're very excited to be sharing it with everybody. Um, it's going to be a very similar uh, you know, feel to like an Infowars, Breitbart, Fox News kind of a, uh, it's going to be that sort of kind of feel look to it. It's we worked really hard on it. So very excited to release it. Um, again, I want to, you know, as I do every episode, uh, the listener um, audience list, it, the growth just keeps getting better and better. So uh, very appreciative uh, for that. So thank you. Um, and uh, any other announcements? Josh, any any announcements you want to make, buddy? Uh, I think I think I'm good. That pretty much I think that pretty much covers it. Okay, very cool. Um, yeah, man. So, open the opening thing I want to talk about tonight. The main headline, obviously. And and by the way, uh, Gianni Rodriguez uh, will be joining us uh, later, as usual, uh, everybody. So uh, we'll uh, looking forward to hearing from him. Um, but but Josh, you know what uh you know is really bothering me and uh you know it's really one of those things where the guy sounds like an absolute nimrod is uh Don Lemon last night on CNN uh basically blaming Roseanne on Trump supporters and Trump and you know we all know pull the whole race card play the victim stance people of color are 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 the victim and 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 Trump is uh, attacking people of color, and and we we we've seen this many times of of what CNN does. But I want to play this clip, and it, it's hilarious because Don Lemon ha- has this serious tone, and and here here's what I here's what I wonder: is he acting? Is he is he paid millions to put on this straight face, or does he actually sincerely believe this insanity of what he's spewing over at CNN? It could be either. It could be two things. I mean, you know, it's um, 
it's interesting though. It, it, the, the, the fact that these guys, they're either very stupid, or they're very good actors. <laughs> um, your your thoughts though, Josh, real quick. I mean, it, it, it's either it's, I mean, just like you were saying, it's one of two things. It's either either they came into that business to you know, you know, leaning liberal or liberal, and then just you know, it, it, you know, this is what they are, or or they've gotten so happy about the checks they're getting that they don't even care what they're being told to talk about anymore. They just try to go as extreme left as possible because they know it'll keep their job. Exactly. So true. So true. You are going to crack up at this clip and my, uh, the audience is going to get it. I mean, this is Don Lemon. This guy's something else. I'll tell you, uh, two, five. The president finally weighed in on the controversy over Roseanne Barr's (laughs) racist tweet. And just couldn't resist making it all about Donald Trump. Yes, President Trump saw that undeniably racist tweet comparing Valerie Jarrett to an ape, and he decided he was due an apology. Tweeting, quote, Bob Iger of ABC called Valerie Jarrett to let her know that ABC does not tolerate comments like those made by Roseanne Barr. Gee, he never called President Donald J. Trump to apologize for the horrible statements made and said about me on ABC. Maybe I just didn't get the call. There does seem to be something he didn't get. The president seems to think he's the victim here. He thinks he deserves an apology, even though he's never apologized for one word of this. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a off the field right now. Out. He's fired. That is pure racism. And the president is cynically using that racism to appeal to his base. We're learning tonight that in a phone call last fall with Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, the president said, quote, this is a very winning, strong issue for me. That is according to the Wall Street Journal. Just another example of this president framing everything in terms of whether or not it is a win for him. But this is not a game. And don't forget, Donald Trump's entire political career was founded on the racist birther lie that Barack Obama was not born in this country, a lie that he reportedly still believes. All that probably explains why the president has failed to condemn the blatant racism of Roseanne's tweet. And instead, since Sarah Sanders out to double down today. The president simply calling out the media bias. No one's defending what she said. The president is the president of all Americans, and he's focused on doing what is best for our country. What is best for our country would actually be condemning racism in all forms. Not whataboutism, not I'm the victim. But Roseanne appears to be having some trouble understanding that, too. Tweeting today, quote, I'm not a racist. I never was, and I never will be. 
One stupid joke in a lifetime of fighting for civil rights for all minorities against network studios at the expense of my nervous system, family, wealth, will never be taken from me. Well, you can't wash away a racist attack by calling it a stupid joke. There's nothing funny about it. And Roseanne is not a victim. She is paying the price for what she did. And in that, she's got something in common with another 90 superstar, one whose legacy is tarnished forever as well, how the mighty have fallen. You know what? I got a lot to say about this, but Josh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, let me let me let me just speak directly to Don Lemon for a minute. Um, let's let's just be real here. The first off, the president didn't say a damn thing. Uh, all he said was, you know, that he didn't think it was necessary that Roseanne would get fired for this. As well as what he said was, he didn't think. That he thought it was a little strange that everybody, you know, The View bashes him on a daily, you know, much meaner than anything Roseanne said, and he bashes him on a daily basis, and no one says a damn thing about it. The amount of, you know, just so hypocritical on the left side. And, I mean, it, it just it continues every single day. If you say something against the president, apparently that's allowed now. There was a time when, like, you would be so shunned it wasn't even funny. If, this, if you said that about the leader in any other country, the, any other country in the world, in all honesty, people would hate your freaking guts. As well as in some countries, you'd be killed. They'd be at your doorstep like, arresting you. Exactly. Like, let's, let's be real here for a minute. Let, you can say bad things about me, but then when I say bad things about you, you can't start crying like a little baby. Somebody needs to get Donald a freaking tissue because if I listen to that guy anymore, I'm going to throw up. And, he, and you're absolutely right. And here's the goddamn thing about it. First of all, you know, Don Lemon is a, is a leftist homosexual. And that's as bad as it gets. A leftist homosexual. I know a lot of great Republican homosexuals. But once you're a leftist homosexual, that's communism. That is every sort of evil ideology possible. And left, being a leftist, period. Is evil is the total, um, you know, it's total ignorance. It's total j- uh, jaded ideology. It's totally one-sided. Um, but Don Lemon has been playing the race card forever, and you know we always see Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. You know what? What about the ninety-nine percent of black on black crime that that's happening in Chicago right now? Do you see blacks? Um, out marching and protesting for their own people? No. They only protest, like I said many times on the show, that less than 1% chance time when a white cop usually goes after a black guy because he doesn't stop running or doesn't put his hands in the air. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying there, there's cops that are guilty, absolutely. There are racist cops, but there's also circumstances where the left is called racism when the cop was just doing his job. But what I really what I really want to get into and what's really important here is Don Lemon. This guy is an absolute disgrace. This guy every single episode of his show he attacks Trump in any way, shape or form, any way possible he can. 
And he will fabricate. He will twist the words. And what he does best is he's a fucking mass manipulator. The guy will have a straight face, look like he's about to cry, and say stupid stuff like, the president is absolutely a racist. How can anyone deny that this president is not a racist? This president embraces racism. Roseanne audiences are racist. They are Trump supporters. I mean, you, you, and look, but look, look at this. This is interesting because Valerie, what's the woman's last name? Valerie, what the woman that um, Roseanne called out? Oh, I, uh, shoot, I can't remember. Um, well, anyways, the woman that Roseanne yeah. called out. Let's be honest, the woman's not even black. She, she's about as black as Sean King, and uh, I mean, she is white as can be. The woman's Iranian. She's not even black. So, and the left makes this big deal and this big dialogue and this big narrative because they can and because they want to get everybody all wound it up and they want to cause all this drama. And how long have we been seeing the race card playing? Several, several, several years. It does not end. It does not stop. That is basically what they go to when they don't have an agenda, when they don't have a message, when they don't have anything constructive to say. They cry, they whine like little bitches, and, you know, it's sad. It's pathetic, and we're seeing the same thing with these uh, whiny uh, NFL uh, bums, uh, these sons of bitches. They're whining now that they have have to stand, and they they can't get on their knees. I mean, what a bunch of just a bunch of sick. I mean, a bunch of whips. If you want to, but, if you but, want to talk about another double standard, I mean, the yeah. the fact that everyone's complaining, you know, the fact that we're not supposed to complain about um, Roseanne getting fired off of ABC, but then everybody on the left is complaining about these NFL players. Like, if if we can say that it's uh, they're an organization, you know, they're, they're their own company, they're allowed to fire Roseanne. They're still, exactly. Here's what bothers me. Here's what bothers me. When people say, oh, these NFL players are standing up for their rights. They're standing up for police brutality. Bullshit. They want attention. They're attention seekers. They want people. They, they, they want to have, uh, they want to be superior. They want to feel like they're in power. We know all about it. It's a publicity stunt. Because let's face it, how many, how many white cops shot black uh, men last year. I can give you the exact number. 16, less than 20, 16 black men were shot by white cops last year. And these NFL players are telling me that they're doing this for fucking uh, justice? Are you get, get the hell off the field. I mean, this is, it's an absolute joke. You know what? We should kneel and fucking protest for all the white people that get killed because that ha- number is a hell of a lot higher no, it absolutely is. And, you know, the, the, the thing that just conti- – and you, you've already said it once, but it can be said, it, it needs to be said again. The black-on-black crime is so ridiculous in this country. They make up 18% of the population, and they commit over half the crimes. Yeah. I mean, and do you ever, do you ever yeah. see them protesting that? No. Yeah, like, let's get behind – let's fix that. No, we don't want to fix actual problems. That wouldn't push right. our leftist agenda. We don't actually want to solve right. anything. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely, 100, 100%. And, John, you, you, keep, you, keep going. You have a great point. I mean, you really do. Yeah, I mean, it just drives me absolutely up the wall that there's all these prominent black athletes, black um, musicians, and they, the, even the ones – you know, you know all, and all the ones that are politically active, they never talk about any of the actual problems. Like, let's get this fixed. Like, like I, yeah. as, a, as a white American, I am heartbroken at the number of black-on-black killings that are happening in these inner cities. People are afraid. Like, the, the, if you go look at these schools, like, they have metal detectors coming in, not because they're afraid of a school shooter, but they're afraid of ga- gang members bringing in guns into classes and possibly provide, you know, sending out a hit on another gang that's in the area. Like, kids are afraid to go to school in the mornings. And they're more worried about making sure that we can murder babies and the, and the two cops, the two or three cops that are biased that got called out by the media, and, like that, and that's it. They're concerned about, like, two or three people that did bad things and are acting like it's a whole problem, but they're not actually addressing the quote-unquote whole problem. The whole problem is in these inner cities. Why is it so bad? Why is it like this? And it's in every big city. There's pieces where it's terrible. Let's figure out that instead of complaining about things that are on a much smaller scale. Let's actually start swinging a bat at the Berlin Wall instead of, oh, I don't know, like uh, my fence in the backyard. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, and, and, and here's the problem. You know, no matter what, they want a platform that's divisive because otherwise they don't have an agenda. They don't have a narrative. They don't have anything they can to their sheep and, uh, you know, uh, brainwash their sheep with. You know, they need all of this hostility and separation, and uh, this is what the left needs. I mean, this is their whole game plan. We've seen it uh, from day one. It's scary and it's sad, and uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you can always say so much and then you just get pissed off and you're like, what the hell are they doing? And, it's, you know, it's the same old circle of, you know, boy, praise the Lord that Donald Trump is president. That's all I got to say. <laughs> amen. God bless. Amen to that, buddy. Uh, president Trump was in Texas today. <clears throat> he uh, got a lot done over there, which is very good. I'm happy about that. President Trump, big news today. Pardon conservative filmmaker Dinesh, Dinesh Dusaza, which was well deserved. I mean, he did. Well he didn't do. I mean, compared to what other people have done and got away with, this guy did nothing wrong. I mean, this this was a total misunderstanding. Uh, the Souza is totally innocent, um, and, and this is good. This is good. This is a good thing, and and the whole Dusaza indictment and prosecution was a malicious uh, act uh, from the left, and it was a total setup. There's no doubt about it. No, absolutely. They, I mean, they were targeting it, for him for his political beliefs, period. Yeah, and all the, all the stuff he was putting out, all the secrets and all the different, you know, he was putting a lot of stuff out that was uh, revealing about Obama, Hillary. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, it definitely was, and it, it was even proven. There was even articles and stuff about it. It was a total setup. Um, but yeah, and President Trump, uh, you know, keeps confirming to the media that Comey wasn't fired over the Russia investigation, but the media keeps insisting that President Trump fired Comey because of 
He, they think Comey was investigating him for Russia. I, I mean, oh, my God. The media doesn't give up. Yeah, they want to believe this narrative so, so bad and because they, they want him impeached. And, you know, sorry, as of right now, you're, yeah. you're not going to get yeah. that. You know, I, I apologize, but, like, uh, you know, let the, let the guy yeah. do good work and uh, you guys can complain to the people who actually still listen to you. I'm so glad their numbers are going down, by the way. <laughs> oh, amen, amen to that. I want to play – we're going to have our, uh, our, our guests are going to be coming on shortly. I do want to play a quick clip. Uh, spoke and he was speaking a little bit, a bit about the Kim Jong Un summit coming up with Trump and very exciting and uh, we all knew it would uh, come back on we all knew it was Kim Jong Un to come back to the table so uh, here it is one nine they made real progress that's the report from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo following hours of meetings this morning and last night with North Korean Vice Chairman Kim Yong Chol it could be nothing short of tragic to let this opportunity go to waste. The North Korean government spent decades building a nuclear weapons program to safeguard its regime. Secretary Pompeo says his mission is to convince Kim Jong-un that his nuclear weapons actually present a threat to his security, not protection. Since President Trump agreed to a summit with Kim Jong-un, the rhetoric between the countries has vacillated between threatening and complimentary. One not ought to be either surprised or frightened or deterred by moments where it looks like uh, there are challenges and difficulties, things that can't be bridged. Our mission is to bridge them. One week after President Trump released a letter to Kim Jong-un canceling the June 12th summit in Singapore, Kim's top emissary on this issue is in the United States, carrying a letter for President Trump. Pompeo says Kim Jong-chol will deliver it tomorrow in Washington. Korea claims it destroyed its Pungiri nuclear test site to demonstrate what it says is a willingness to dismantle its program. Now, the Middlebury Institute for International Studies says satellite images show North Korea removing materials from the site before its destruction. The institute confirms to Fox News that, quote, the North Koreans are still treating information about their nuclear weapons program as sensitive. That suggests North Korea is unlikely to hand over actual nuclear weapons. And while his vice chairman is in the United States, Kim Jong-un hosted Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who delivered a greeting from President Vladimir Putin. He sends his warmest regards and best wishes in the big endeavors that have been initiated on the Korean Peninsula with your participation. As the Russian government tries to involve itself in this issue, Lavrov also invited Kim to Moscow. The original date for this summit is less than two weeks away, June 12th. When asked whether it's actually going to happen on that date, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo would only say he doesn't know. Brett? Rich Hudson, live at the State Department. Rich, thanks. Wow. Wow. So, Jesus Christ. I mean, the fact that this is, this is happening. This is actually, this is, this is going to happen. Um, I do have some concerns. Kim Jong-un, I, I do believe, will make, you know, I, I think he will comply with Trump and uh, abide by the terms that are, are put into place and the arrangements that are set. But at the same time, this, this, this short little fat kid in North Korea, man, he's a tricky little bastard, I tell you. The same, you I, I, I just... You know, it's uh, and Trump, Trump's the best at at what he does. Period. I mean, he, yeah, Trump's not going to get played. That's for sure. So, and Trump even said many times, 
if there's an issue, I'll walk right away from the table. And I, I don't have no problem, you know, you know, telling Kim Jong-un to take a hike. Um, but it's something, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Josh. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, time will tell to see to see exactly what happens with this. And uh, but you know, I'm conf- I, I am confident that that Trump's going to be able to get something done uh, here that uh, hopefully will not only be beneficial to America but also to North Korea and its you know its imprisoned people. Um, you know, I hope I, I hope that you know we can all get something figured out, and um, I, I think we will. Uh, I don't know if it'll be you know I don't know if it'll be perfect. Uh, which nothing is, but uh, I hope we can get close. Right. So I do think a lot of good will come from this in the sense of economic deals, you know, trade, um, you know, there's so many things um, that we could get a return uh, of our money on and, um, you know, just things we could, profit off of uh, from that country because there is opportunity over there 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 is things that you know um could be very could be very lucrative no i mean i mean absolutely and um i uh you know just like i said i just i really i i'd like to get this done so that we can, you know, something so good that the leftist media can't even say anything bad about it because it's just like, like it's, I want it to, you know, not only be better than what we think it's going to be, but be better than like so good that like if the left says anything, they'll look so stupid. Not that they don't already, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? You know, the, the left was, you know, making all these smart, smart-ass remarks. Oh, Joe, we knew Trump couldn't get this done. Uh, we knew Kim Jong-un would, would play the situation. But look what happened. Within two days of Trump saying, you know, we're not going to do this meeting with Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un came back to the table just like I said he would. Because Kim Jong Un has no choice. Kim Jong Un has certain struggles in his economy that he needs fixed. Not saying there's not opportunity in North Korea economically, but there, Kim Jong Un needs the United States' help, and President Trump and him are going. You know, he's he's going to comply with President Trump if he wants anything, and he realizes now that these petty threats and, and this petty talk with President Trump trying to, to demand and whine stuff, it's not going to fly with our president. Our president doesn't take shit from anybody, and our president calls the shots. Our president is, is a boss. I mean, he, 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 you know, nobody crosses him, and which I love. Bulletproof. Balls of steel. Um, anyways, real quick, though, I want to welcome our special guest, foreign policy analysis, oil and natural gas investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, radical Islam expert, and contributor to the dailycaller.com, clashdaily.com, livezet.com, dailysurge.com, and thehill.com. Dan Perkins, how are you, sir? Big major outlet. News outlet that you named. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Yes, I'm fine. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's already pretty strong. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know it, it's um, it, it's great to have you here. We were just talking about North Korea, 
And yeah. on my on the show last on the show last week, you know, and, and we 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 did a show yesterday, and we've been doing shows every day this week. But you know, last week, as you know, President Trump announced that he was walking away and not going to do the deal with Kim Jong Un. And we saw within a day or two, Kim Jong Un cave in, coming back to Trump, sucking up to Trump. He knew Trump was not playing around, not playing games, and now he has to agree and comply with Trump if he wants to get anything done, just like I said from the beginning. But your thoughts, because, I mean, this whole meeting, it, it, as of now, it's going to take place again. It's, it's, it's back in, uh, it, it, it's back in uh, you know, in the game. We're, we're, it's rock and rolling. So what's your thoughts? Please, Dan. Well, um, first of all, let's let's talk about um, uh, something I've been saying uh, for almost a year. Yes. Government leaders, politicians, and Americans need to read Donald Trump's book, Art of the Deal. Art of the Deal. Amazing book. If you understand... He's living it right you, now. He's you, showing us the art of the deal. Yes, and, and, and so what happened here was that if, you, if you're a student of history and you go back and look at Kim and his father, the, the, the iron-fisted rulers of North Korea, what, is, what has always happened is they send out a, a signal that they would like to talk about peace or disarmament or economic whatever. And then they cancel the meeting or they get there and they don't want to talk or they have a whole list of demands. And so that has been their strategy for two generations. And the American presidents, all of them under both of these regimes, have capitulated and rather than, than take a firm stand under political correctness, they have de- deferred to Kim and his father. Big example of this was when Bill Clinton sent former President Jimmy Carter to North Korea to negotiate a nuclear disarmament. And Kim's father agreed to the terms which was that he was supposed to dismantle his nuclear capacity and the United States would provide billions of dollars of aid and food. They took the money, they took the food, and lied about disarming. So, the, but nobody, Clinton didn't do anything about it. And his predecessors, his, his followers, whether it was um, George W. or or Barack Obama, they didn't do anything. And so what happened, and this is what people don't understand about what happened last week. Why did Donald Trump cancel the meeting? Donald Trump, and you've heard this before, when he was talking, when the press was talking about the meeting that he had with James Comey shortly after he took off. And he said to James Comey, I expect absolute loyalty. 
And so what happened was when the Kim administration attacked President Trump's vice president, who has had the president's book back from day one, good times and bad, when the Kim government attacked the vice president, Mr. Trump said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go there with my vice president being demeaned by the foreign government. So I'm not going. And you're right. What happened was, wait a minute, Mr. Trump, you're not playing by our playbook. You're not doing what every other president has done in the past. We're not coming. And he realized that he wasn't going to be able to cancel the meeting because he'd lost all of his leverage. And so he came back. Trump has still yet to confirm that the meeting is going to take place. However, the number two person from North Korea is was meeting for two hours today with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Pompeo, right? And tomorrow yep. he's going to meet with the President of the United States. So uh, the number two guy in North Korea has come to the United States to call on the Secretary of State and the President of the United States. He supposedly has a personal letter from Kim to the President that he will hand deliver. I, I don't know what's in it. Nobody knows what's in it. The point is that, again, the world is beginning to understand that Mr. Trump is, and I, this is, I, I, I'm going to give you free reign to use what I heard earlier this week. I take no credit. And you have inside sources. You work on. You work with every major news source, news network. So you have all the, you know, deep, um, you know, inside, uh, uh, you know, people that real, reveal stuff to you. Right, but this, this is this was a this was a common man, and I don't mean it in a derogatory sense. Um, what he said to me was, you know, um, I listened to a lot of people from the time Donald Trump entered the presidential race till he ran against Hillary and then he won the election. People were using the term because of his tweeting, because of his rhetoric, he is not presidential. And the man said to me, perhaps, Mr. Perkins, Trump represents the new presidential. A president who fights for America, who believes in integrity and loyalty and protects American workers. That's what Mr. Trump stands for today. Absolutely. I, I wasn't sure if you were done talking, um, but yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. It's um, you're absolutely right, and you know, we've never and and Dan, I say this on my program all the time. We've never seen any president fulfill th- this these many achievements and have this much success ever. And I mean, in one year, he's done more than any president I think in history. I mean, if you look at the numbers. If you look at, you look at stat. You look at stats. You look at everything. Every day he's delivered on a new promise. 
he and, and there was a, a survey that came out, a poll, a very reliable poll, and he's fulfilled seventy percent. I repeat, seventy seven zero percent of his agenda in his first year in office. Mm-hmm. Most presidents, when they leave right. office, they don't even they don't even fulfill ten percent of what they promised. <laughs> Now, there are some people, there are some people who agree with what you're saying, but perhaps you need to hear the rest of the story. Oh, go ahead, the please. rest of the story, the rest of the story, not saying it's true, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. Because he has accomplished so much and he still has over two years to go, Uh-oh. he may not run in 2020. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that though. I, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk from his his confidant Roger Stone, um, that uh, you know Roger Stone said he wouldn't be surprised in 2020 if Trump says, you know, I I came here to do what I did, you know, said what I was going to do, I, I accomplished it. Um, time for me to hit the golf course, you know. I I I, I did I you know I promised I did everything I promised, but. But I don't, I don't see that happening. And I'll tell you no why. No way. I see it for many reasons. Let me tell you. I see it well, real let me, quick. Let me, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead first. Go ahead. Okay. This is what I'm. I think what I'm about to say is is something that I started with when when Trump decided he was going to run for president. And I said at the time, and, I, and, and, and you'll understand why, I said at the time that this election in 2016 was really not about Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or the economy or about jobs or anything. It was all, all about one very important issue that the next president was going to make the appointment for Anton Scalia and that given the age of the court right now with Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 85 and Kennedy in his late 70s, early 80s, we have the, Donald Trump has the ability probably before the end of his first term to add at least one more Supreme Court justice. And very possibly, if he were to run for a second four-year term, he could, he could appoint one or two more judges to the Supreme Court. If you add three to four conservative judges to the existing makeup of the court, that's Trump legacy for 35 to 40 to infinity years. That is the most important thing he can do. I, you know, I... I get what you're saying, and I, you know, I, and I absolutely, right. the, the, the Supreme Court, the, ju- the Supreme Court justice thing is so pivotal and so important, and and, and it, it's one of the biggest things. It's one of the biggest deals. 
But the reason right. I do not think he will walk away in 2020, I have a couple reasons. Actually, I have several reasons. I don't think he wants to leave when the economy – I think he wants to make sure that the economy stays the same as it's doing. I think he wants to make sure that maybe he can do another – maybe another tax cut. Um, he wants to make sure that the wall, uh, you know, is is going uh, as it's uh, – accordingly. Um, I His popularity level is way too high with his voters, and I, I just don't see him – walking away from the spotlight and his voters and everybody that he loves. Um, and he's, he's already announced that he's running in 2020. He's already announced his slogan, keep America great. I, I also, right. I, I, I just see all of the things that he's doing and all the new things people he's bringing in. And I just see it as a long-term team. I, I see him being in there in, you know, eight years until 2024, uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot on the agenda that you know. Sure, he can fulfill and take care of a lot of it by 2020. But I think he'll even want to do more than what he promised, like he's doing right now. He's doing stuff right now that's amazing that wasn't even on his promise list. So, um, and, and he's a, he's a visionary. You know, he, he's a strong visionary. The guy sees. Uh, things, uh, especially things that need to be improved and, and, and things that uh, are, are are lacking. And, you know, and he does not want a Democrat to win in 2020. And if he walks away, the Republican Party is so divided, and I've said this on my show, it's no longer the Republican Party. Let's face it, folks. This is the Trump Party. People are drawn to Trump. Eight million Democrats voted for Trump. The Repu- it's the Trump part. This is Trump. I mean, it, this is Trump all by himself. I mean, this is like Michael Jordan of basketball. I mean, Trump is the the biggest icon, and you, you just see you see this phenomenon, and this. You, I just don't. I can't see it going anywhere, and I don't think he wants to risk, you know, the 2020 thing, especially because uh, if you got you know some crazy Democrat like Joe Biden or. Uh, Who's the uh, whack whack job from uh, California? Um, Camilla Harris. Oh Jesus! God help us. Um, she is a nut job. But um, you know, he, he, I just you know that's my theory on it. I just think there's so much that Trump will want to keep delivering on and make sure that his legacy is still being maintained. And at the same time, I also think when he is back in office and reelected in 2020. Uh, during that 2020 to 2024 time frame, his last four years, I definitely think he's going to do everything he can to make sure uh, that he has a replace uh, a secure replacement uh, right there to take over that the American people can trust and love and and, and know to love. Uh, probably somebody out of his administration, maybe one of his kids. I mean, the people love the Trumps. You never know. I could see Don Jr. running or Ivanka, um, you know, despite some of Ivanka's leftist uh, policies, which I don't really agree with some of her stuff. But, you know, that's my whole take on it. You know, there's a, obviously have a lot more. But, you know, um, yeah, and I know my co-hosts want to speak on this. Um, Zolo, go ahead, or uh, Josh. Right? But Mike, Zolo, go ahead first, and I'll get to you, Josh. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I mean, 
to say it simply, I don't think there's any way in hell Donald Trump walks away uh, in right. 2020. Uh, I, right. I don't know where that would even be coming from. Uh, the fact of the matter is Trump, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff in his first uh, two years, uh, not even full two years, but he's, he, yeah, he's done 60 70% of his stuff. But uh, guess what? A Democrat president could take a lot of that away very, very quickly. So this that's, notion that's that you know, Trump, yeah, you know, this notion that Trump, you know, mission accomplished. If he's there for another four years, it's more secure. The more time he's in, the more people he appoints, the more judges, federal judges. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. Um, I honestly, if that was to happen, I would be so surprised um, that I. I would be speechless. I think Donald Trump loves being president, I even though the, the liberals give him hell. What's that? I mean, I got, if he if he walks away in 2020, I may jump off a bridge. Oh, me too, <laughs> man. Look, look, I I just I don't look. All of the things he's doing right now shows he wants to run again. Why the hell would he have a, uh, a re-election campaign slogan? Keep America great. He said that. Not his supporters. He said that. He said, I have a new slogan for my reelection. Keep America great. Why would he say that and then just be like, oh, I'm not going to run again in 20 in 2020. Trump loves his supporters. He loves his base. The numbers forget about his approval numbers. His approval numbers with his base are through the roof. OK, his base is with him. Hardcore. We're not going anywhere. Uh, and he doesn't want to abandon us. This is a long term thing being president. Nobody wants to become president for four years. So I, I just don't – I don't know, you know, where people are hearing this, and, yes. and I understand people hear this stuff. But I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump will run in 2020, and he'll win as big as Ronald Reagan did. And I guarantee you, I promise you could take that to the bank. So I, 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 I just want to reiterate. I was simply telling you what I've been hearing. I didn't say that it was accurate. I'm just listening to what's coming up. Now, let me give you one other piece of information. There's a gentleman who I've had on my show a couple of times who is what they call a demographer. He studies population trends and attitudes. And he's written a book, uh, uh, which I've read several times. In fact, I have it on audiobook. And this is what he's saying. Now, the last time I had him on my show was probably um, last fall. So Trump had already been in office for a while, and it was already starting to make some moves. What he said <clears throat> is that the election of Donald Trump has the ability, has the ability to create a 25-year run of Republican control. 25-year run of Republican control. And when I pressed him why, he said because the Democratic Party has run so far to the left, every election they lose more and more. And so they're going to wind up being a very minority party. They won't Absolutely. be contenders. And the, Democrat, the Democrats will diminish 
and there diminishes of ever getting control and power again will disappear. I mean, look what's going on, just as a, a point of example. Look at what's going on in, in California. The number of communities who have joined the suit by the federal government about the sanctuary city laws passed by the California legislature. There are people, there, California has very unusual election laws. If there are multiple candidates running for an office, the, the, the candidates that run in the fall election are the candidates, the top two candidates who get votes, okay? There are races in California now where they're very concerned that there may not be a Democrat getting high enough of votes to make it to the, to the primary, to the primary. And it could be two Republicans running against each other. There is a great untalked about current in California to move away from some of the incredibly far left legislation passed by the state legislature that the people in California do not accept. Now, I'm not saying it's going, to tr- it's going to turn color, but I think it's not going to be the bastion of Democratic support like it was before. And, 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 and the demographer was talking about what's happening in the north and the northeast with the populations shrinking moving down to the Carolinas and Florida and Texas, population moving out of California. All this movement is because primarily of lifestyle, taxes, and quality of life. And so, so what as they raise taxes. Oh, go, go ahead. So as they raise taxes, then I'm going to ask you something. Go ahead. As they raise taxes, as the Democrats who are, are in control of the northern big cities raise more and more taxes, more and more people are leaving the communities and going someplace else. They are rejecting the democratic agenda in droves. So you're saying that the governor's race could be a Republican versus a Republican. That's how, that's how, yeah. um, they, how much California hates Democrats right now. Right. That Gavin Newsom guy, I mean, Newsman, however the hell you pronounce his last name, Newsom, Newsom, that guy's a joke. That guy, you talk about a a buffoon. That guy's a buffoon, man. That guy is an absolute ignorant, delusional, moronic prick. And he just comes off off as a jerk-off, too. I mean, he's uh, Jerry Brown's little sidekick, little buddy. But Rory... Yeah, yeah. I just want to say though, I understand um, what what he's saying. I I totally get what he's saying that people are fed up. But I live in yeah. New Jersey, and and right yeah. now we just elected the 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 most leftist your bu- governor your we buddy, ever Bill, did. Phil, what's his name? Uh, Phil. Um, Phil Murphy. Your buddy, yeah, yeah. That guy's nuts. Yeah, my buddy. This guy <laughs> should be deported. All he cares about is freaking illegal aliens. He wants to give a lease. Yeah. He's giving illegal aliens free tuition. He's he's uh, hiding illegal aliens from ICE. So I'm not saying 
certain people are fed up with, uh, you know, liberal <laughs> policies and Democrats in California, even in New Jersey. But the fact is, the far left is the left. There is no other left for the majority of the party is far left as of now. They're all open borders. They are all pro-illegal immigration. <laughs> they are all, they are all um, uh, pro-abortion, pro uh, partial birth abortion, even many of them. So I live up here, and, and it is as left as it's ever been. So, I mean, I'm just, just from experience. I will from what tell I you see. That, that I lived in New Jersey for 37 years. And when I, when I left and came to Florida, and Florida didn't have a state income tax, and they don't have a state inheritance tax, the, the amount of money that I saved that I put in my pocket. So here's what's going on. New Jersey is one of the highest income tax states in the country. Oh yeah, and my partner, my partner, my partner on the radio show was born and raised and lived in New Jersey all of his life, and he's now finally saying, "We have to leave. We have to leave because the taxes that we pay are outrageous in the state of New Jersey for what we get." So after. 70 years living in New Jersey, he and his wife are leaving because the taxes are so punitive. And, you know, you can talk about left-leaning, but what, I'm, what, the, what the demographer is saying is that taxes is a highly motivational force. You know that Chicago, the state of Illinois, is losing almost 100,000 citizens a year that are leaving the state. Yep, due to the and ridiculous tax rates. Yeah. And so and so what happens is when you and when they leave flying. when they leave the government who wants to continue to pay the for the services has to raise the tax rate on the remaining people and they and more of them continue to leave. So right. it's not it's not sustainable. So those northern states are going to continue. Those ones with very high tax policies are going to continue yes. to see their population and their tax base diminish. And we get 3,000 families a month that are moving into the state of Florida. Yeah, I mean, 3,000 families. The some, of the, some of the most lenient and uh, convenient uh, tax laws uh, in the United States, if not the, if not the best, I mean uh, – Florida has great tax laws. That's why so many people are going there, and, you know, you get so much leverage. Right. Um, there's no doubt about yep. it. Um, what, right. what I want to – I want to – real quick, though, and I have a lot of questions for you, Dan. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Okay. Josh, I want to get your – I know, Josh, I know you want to respond. Josh, get your thoughts. Yeah, just uh, just real quick, kind of – the I don't know, the idea that – um, you, I, I guess this is a wrong idea that people have that after a president fulfills some of their campaign promises, then they're just done, um, you know, or they're good. Like, okay, I got it. You know, I, and I think, that, and obviously I know that you didn't agree with the, the things that you were hearing, but, you know, I just think it's, it's foolishness that some people think that way. It's, you know, especially with Trump, the way he's, the way that he thinks, Versus other presidents is, you know, he's trying to get all his campaign promises done as quickly and efficiently as possible so that he can move on to fixing other things that present themselves that he realizes he's fixed. You know, he's running it like a business. 
Yes, absolutely. That's when you happens when you hire a business a successful businessman to be president of the United States as opposed to a a, a politician who's who's fed at the public trough his entire life or her entire life. So you got some questions? Uh, hey, you want to jump into some of those? Yeah, I, you got. I, you had I'd a. Love you, to ask one, yeah, Judge, go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to ask one real quick thing. Um, in regards to the gas, the price of gas right now, and the you know the 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 price of gasoline per barrel, as well as all the conflicts in the Middle East, what do you think Trump is going to be able to do in you know to impact you know OPEC? And everything that, you know, all these Middle Eastern countries are trying to do to, you know, screw America over on oil. Well, they, they can't screw America over on oil because America is now within striking difference of being the, the largest producer of crude oil in the world. Before yep. this, before 2015, uh, we were still importing crude oil from the Middle East and from Mexico and Canada and depended upon them. But when the, when the restrictions was, put, was taken away and the American frackers in Dakotas and West Texas and the Permian Basin were able to drill unabashedly, they took us from no export of crude oil because it was forbidden by federal statute to now exporting 2 million barrels a day. And we will be the largest producer of, of crude oil by the end of the year. What's going to ha- what's happening is that crude oil, like soybeans, corn, um, lumber, everything that is supply and demand driven affects the price. When when the when the OPEC nations in Saudi Arabia attacked the American oil industry over Thanksgiving on 2014 by not cutting production, in fact, they increased production, they flooded the world with an overabundance of crude oil, which drove the price down to $26 a barrel. The whole objective of why they did it was to destroy the American fracking industry. But what happened is they wound up betting their countries because the frackers didn't quit. They didn't stop drilling. And so what happened is they were forced to capitulate and say that was a poor strategy because they were literally betting their own countries and failing. And as a result, they made a decision a year and a half ago to take 1.8 million barrels of crude oil out of the global supply every day. And now we have a situation where there's a slight shortage of crude oil in the world markets. And when you've got a shortage there's pressure on crude oil. Now, right now, we're around $68 a barrel. We were up to 71 last week, 71.72. The sanctions that Trump is putting on after the 90-day cooling-off period with Iran on their lack of certification on the nuclear agreement, they are the number three exporter of crude oil in the world at 3 million barrels a day. The day after the Trump, Trump indicated that he was not going to certify the, the, the Asian refiners who their principal source of crude oil was Iran, 
have said they had to, they're going to have to find alternative sources of crude oil. The alternative sources are going to come primarily from the United States oil industry. So it's a function of supply and demand. And I believe by the end of the summer, and you can quote me on this and have me back and see if I was right, we'll hit $85 for West Texas Intermediate Crude in the United States. And we'll probably be 92 for Brent North Sea Crude. But let me, let me, you are all, all of you are way too young to have experienced this. When Jimmy Carter was president, we had an Arab oil embargo. And at that point in time, we were dependent upon OPEC for 65% of our energy needs. And as a result, when OPEC shut off the spigot, we had gas lines and rationing and odds and evens, and prices skyrocketed from their relative level. That we saw what happened as the power that we gave to OPEC to control the world economy by controlling the flow of crude oil. At that point in time, we were 65% dependent and were that way for a number of years, decades. It has only been in the last few years that expiration in the United States has begun to produce the opportunity for us to be energy independent and no longer dependent upon OPEC for any of our energy needs. But supply and demand. Remember that the economies, many economies are beginning to recover and their yep. demand for energy will increase. Yep. So as, as demand increases and as supply is short, prices will rise. But when I said that you weren't around when Jimmy Carter was president to experience what happened, the other thing that happened is that Jimmy Carter personally destroyed the psychology of the American people. He told us, turn your thermostats down in the wintertime, turn your thermostats up in the summertime, no Christmas lights, no outside decorations. We're going to not light the national Christmas tree. America's best years were behind it. The psychology of America was extremely negative. So when prices went from 25 cents to 75 cents a gallon, it was devastating because it was done in a psychological market where unemployment was incredible, inflation was incredible, interest rates were incredibly high. The psychology of America was very negative. Today, today, I don't know what you pay. I paid, I bought gas yesterday here in southwest Florida for $2.56 a gallon. Now, I'm telling you that if gasoline prices goes up a dollar and my tank holds 15 gallons and I want to, and the range on my car is 490 miles, if I want to go somewhere for a thousand mile round trip, it's going to cost me $30 more. That's not going to make me not make the trip. Hey, 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 Dan. You know, I really, I really want to, um, you know, ask you. You know, you you have a very detailed background. You know, you've done a lot. You've lived a hell of a life. You have a, you know, an, a very impressive resume. Um, and you know, you've um, invested in the 
Real quick, actually, I want to get real quick. I want to. I'm going to go back to that, but I want to ask you. So, President Trump uh, is putting steel and aluminum tariffs on Canada, Mexico, and the EU. And uh, I mm-hmm. want to play this clip real and quick. But, and China. Uh, yeah, and China, and all these different. Yeah, and all these different countries. Yes, I want to play this clip, clip real quick, and then I want to get your thoughts. Uh, four or five. These tariffs are totally unacceptable. The White House's decision to implement new tariffs on steel and aluminum imports from Canada, Mexico, and the European Union could, depending on your perspective, fan the winds of a global trade war or send the strongest message yet that the days of massive U.S. trade imbalances and unfair market access are over. We will continue uh, to make arguments based on logic and common sense and hope that eventually they will prevail against uh, an administration that uh, um, doesn't always align itself around those principles. It's totally unacceptable that a country is imposing unilateral measures. Global trade is not a gunfight at OK Corral. The president's move comes after months of failed negotiations with the administration announcing today tariffs of 25% on steel and 10% on aluminum imports from Canada, Mexico, and the EU, set to go into effect tonight at midnight. He's worked to exempt certain countries and certain allies for which we have trading or security relationships, but in these instances it wasn't possible, and so the president took action. In retaliation, Mexico said it would target U.S. agriculture products, the EU, bourbon and motorcycles made in the USA, and Canada announced a $16 billion set of new tariffs on American goods. Some of the president's own party questioned the wisdom of the policy. Tennessee Senator Lamar Alexander saying this is a big mistake, calling tariffs basically higher taxes on American consumers. With Ben Sass of Nebraska adding, this is dumb. Make America great again shouldn't mean make America 1929 again. Both men argued when it comes to tariffs, the U.S. should hit China, not our allies. The Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said today he wasn't overly concerned about the row. This has been under discussion for quite a long time, and it's a very small percentage of the respective economies, a fraction of 1%. Chinese leaders acknowledge they're anticipating U.S. tariffs sometime soon, and they're vowing to be prepared to fight back when they happen. Uh, Don't forget next week, Brett, we'll be in Canada with the president for the G7, where it's a very good bet that tariffs will be a major topic of discussion. So there you have it. Uh, I want to start, de- obviously, with you, Dan, you know, who, Zolo, what? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I just, I can't stand Ben Sass and these damn Republicans, they can never keep their mouth shut. They always got to go against Trump. I'm so sick of these friggin' frauds. I hear you, man, but I hear you, brother. I'm with you. Hey, Dan, real quick, though, um, please, uh, give me your two thoughts. I, I, I definitely want to... Uh, I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your I want to get your, uh, you know, just your uh, your theory behind all this. I'll give you one number, then I'll give you an answer. Before China was admitted to before China was admitted to the World Trade Organization and received most favored nation trade status, it controlled 13 percent of the world's steel industry. It now controls 43% of the world's steel industry. And if it decides it wants to dump steel, there's nothing to stop it. Now, Mr. Trump said when he was running for president 
We're going to negotiate, renegotiate NAFTA, and we're going to we're going to negotiate all of our trade agreements because what I want is free and fair trade. When a country like China exports four hundred billion dollars of goods to the United States and dramatically restricts the importation of American goods to their country, then it's not fair trade. So Mr. Trump is saying to the world, okay, I understand. It's just like it's, it's the parallel is exactly what I said a few moments ago about Kim and his father. They played the president's and the presidents danced to the North Koreans' tunes. The presidents from, from uh, Jimmy Carter on, all basically when it was related to trade, would bow to the other nations because we were the richest, most powerful nation in the world, and we needed what those organizations. And what happened was we wound up shipping jobs overseas and losing American jobs in manufacturing and factories. Trump said, that's got to stop. We're going to bring manufacturing back to the United States and the largest sector of growth in new jobs under his administration have been manufacturing jobs. So it becomes time for the rest of the Democrats and Republicans and the rest of the leaders of the world to begin to realize and acknowledge that they've had it sweet for 40 to 50 years, but now it's time to change. And they don't like it, but they're going to have to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, with, with, Mr., with, uh, with President Trump, there's a new sheriff in town. And the fact that, um, you know, we, we heard all these people whining and crying and, Getting all paranoid and overdramatic. They're going to just start a trade. It's going to be a trade war. I mean, we've been in a trade war for a long time, but Trump's going to do all the, you know, do all this damage. But but look what happened. China came to an agreement with the United States, and now it's fair reciprocal trade. I mean, because Trump is the best negotiator in the world, and everybody said Trump is never going to win this war with China, this trade situation. But look what happened. He prevailed. He came out on top once again. I mean, every time they doubt him, he just proves the media wrong and, uh, uh, you know, completes the the accomplishment. And And now we even have new deals with China that we never even had before which is even another bonus. So, I mean, you have all of these positives and all these lucrative opportunities, and it's – and we have – and the reason these are all, you know, on the table and, you know, they're here, uh, all these opportunities, is because of President Trump and his great relationship with China and with these other countries – and, and you know what I've always right. said from day one? You know what I've always said from day one? President Trump, the reason he is so wealthy, he, the, the reason he is so rich, one of the main reasons is because he has a way with people. He can get people into a room, and he can get people uh, to, you know, do amazing things. I mean, he has – and that's one of the first 
most pivotal skills of being a successful businessman is having a way with people. And President Trump, right. uh, uh, that's one of his strong uh, assets for sure. Okay, we got 10 minutes. Any more questions? And we see all these world leaders, and we see all these world leaders, um, you know, you know, coming, coming out and um, respecting us now. I mean, we, we, you know, with Barack mm-hmm. Obama and these past presidents, all we, all that happened is we were taken advantage of, you know, and, and it's a, it's a shitty right. situation. Um, Zolo, I know you want to right. respond. Go ahead, Zolo, and then Josh. Yeah, uh, I uh, trade is tr- other than immigration. Trade's my biggest uh, reason why I voted for Trump. But uh, like you like you just said before, but uh, this notion that Trump's going to start a trade war with China and, uh, you know, Canada and Mexico and the EU is just a farce because we've been in a trade war for 30 years uh, and our jobs are being shipped overseas and our factories have been shut down and no politician, president, Republican or Democrat has done anything uh, to fight this war. So Trump is not starting anything he's actually standing up and and fighting in a war that is already being waged against the united states and our workers uh but but i've been waiting for this for a long time for a president to to have the balls uh in plain english to hit china canada mexico with tariffs and say hey guess what i'm gonna hit you with 15 percent tariffs on steel and aluminum i mean this is just what trump does he's just a he's a badass and he knows what he's doing and by the way how how is mexico going to pay for the wall you strangle them with trade mexico will gladly pay for yep. the wall they need yep. and with trade mexico needs us way more than we need mexico i can promise you that uh but on trade trump's doing everything right uh, the thing that bothers me i was saying earlier was i am just uh you know paul ryan came out with this big piece today you know he is uh he released a statement saying this is he disagrees 100 percent with President Trump's decision. Uh, ben Sass said this make America 1929 again. Uh, you know, all of these Republicans, Lamar Alexander, these these rhinos, these Lindsey Graham fake Republicans, these hacks, these people that got to get the hell. Hello, Zolo, I think we might have lost you. Hello, Josh. You go ahead, man. I think we lost Zolo for a second. Yeah, just uh, just the, kind of kind of switching the, uh, the the topic here a little bit to something else. Just a, a question here. What yeah. um, what involvement do you think the and obviously you can tell I'm very interested in the whole oil situation. Uh, what involvement do you see that radical Islam has on the you know the uh, the abuse of the you know the uh, the Arab oil in the past and then, and then currently? Well, there's no question that the world has recognized that Iran is a, a, a state sponsor, perhaps the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Um, we gave them um, $150 billion under Obama. Plus we sent a, a, a plane load of currency of cash in multiple currencies. Um, and so they, they've had a significant war chest. They're exporting about 3 million barrels uh, a day 
uh, and and uh, what's interesting to to look at that is to say, look what's going on in southern Iran, and the college students, the professors, and a lot of the common citizens are actually actively daily protesting against the mullahs in Tehran of what they're doing. They do not want sanctions to come back on. And as as a student of Sharia law and of the Quran, uh, it's hard for me to imagine that the people could overthrow the state religion and leaders, but I think it is very possible. And so um, the, the, the imposition of sanctions is going to cut the funding not only to the country, but to the amount of money that they will have available for terrorism. And some of the other Middle Eastern countries who are starving for revenue are going to make a choice to feed their people than to support money to Al-Qaeda or Boko Haram or any of these other terrorist organizations. So energy situation could have a significant impact on the ability of many terrorist groups to to survive. Quick, quick follow-up question. What was the Obama administration's, like, a reason for all of the money that they ended up giving Iran. I mean, what was the what was the idea in their head? That this was somehow going to fix problems by just dumping money on a you know Islamic country for basically no reason. Well, um, the two issues here. One was the hundred and fifty billion dollars, and then was the the other was the one seven one point seven billion dollars. And some people say perhaps as much as $3 billion of cash that was flown in by the private airplane to to the Iranian government. Now, um, again, the Obama administration lied to the American people. The reason they said that they sent the $1.7 billion in multiple currencies in a plane was because, quote, the ability to wire funds was not in place at the time when they wanted to make the payment. Well, the problem with that statement was, and again, the mainstream media didn't challenge it, the problem was that the $150 billion that was sent to them was sent through the wire transfer system. So they lied to the American people about why the money was on the plane. It was a way in which they, the government could then pass out the currency to support terrorist groups by giving them cash. But the Obama administration never admitted that. Yeah. Wow. 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 Jeez. Very revealing. No, and you know, and it's you know, there's so much corruption with the Obama administration. But you know, before you go, Dan, I really want you to talk about, you know, you're you're an oil and gas investor. But please tell us a little bit about that, real quick. Um, I have been investing. In, I've been investing for 45 years as a professional. I, I still manage money. 
for a small cadre of clients. And uh, I have ridden oil up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, uh, my st- investment strategy is to realize that the way to build wealth, believe it or not, is through the compounding of money. And let me give you an example. Um, The average annual return of the S&P 500 from the market crash of 1929 to today is around 6%. 6%. I can go buy, and and there's a rule, there's a rule called the rule of 72. It's a mathematic formula. If you take your rate of return it t- and divide it into the number of 72, it will tell you how many years it takes your money to double. So at 6%, every 12 years, your money will double. So year one, you have $10,000. Year 12, you've got 20. Year 24, you've got 40. Year 36, you've got 80. That's the power of compounding your money. If I can put money to work and earn the rate of return of equity for the last 65 years, but I can do it by getting a dividend or a distribution, I have less risk, less volatility, more stability in my portfolio. So I look at uh, several ways to own and participate in energy. I own drilling companies. I own oil transportation companies. I own oil pipeline companies. I own one of the things that are called royalty trusts, where the oil has already been found in the ground and it's sold off to a trust, and I get 16 and two-thirds percent of the wellhead price of the oil for every gallon that's pumped. You can also do what is called master limited partnerships, which run shipping companies and drilling companies and transportation companies. All of them pay very attractive dividends. And, um, and so every time I get a dividend check, I reduce my exposure. For example, if I put a dollar to work today and I get a 6% return, at the end of 12 months, I have my dollar, but I've also gotten, I've been, I've got six cents uh, of, of income. So my exposure for my original dollar is now reduced by the six cents that I got in dividend. So I really only have $94 exposed to the market. If in year two, I get another six cents, now my exposure drops from 94 cents to 88 so that in 10 years, at 6% yield, I've taken 60% of my money out of the market and I only have 40% exposure. That's what dividends do for you. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, I, before, you, before you go, I also want you to talk about real quick, you know, you're a radical Islam expert, and you even wrote a book on it. Please, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Four books. Four books. Yeah, Multiple books. books, yes. My my fault. You wrote multiple books regarding it. Go. I want you to kind of elaborate right. and tell us a little bit about that before you go. 
the the first three books were a trilogy, and the, the main title is called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile. The first book subtitle is called A Terrorist Perspective. I wrote this book because I wanted to help the American people understand why radical Islam hates us so much and why they want to destroy us. And I try and bring some exposure to the Quran, the, the activities in the Middle East, what's happening within a terrorist group. And they get their hands on two old Soviet Union suitcase 30 bombs, which they convert into weapons of mass destruction. They bring them into the United States through the southern border, and they explode them in America's oil infrastructure. In the second book, The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, it's called, subtitled, America Rebuilds. This is the story of what happens in America when there is a nuclear attack, two nuclear attacks that destroys a significant percentage of the oil infrastructure in the United States. And then it starts to turn, it says the setup for book three, which is called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, America Responds. And it is a story about how the president of the United States has to deal with what retaliation should we take to those people who have destroyed and killed tens of thousands of Americans and destroyed huge, vast acreage that can never be inhabited in our lifetime. When I finished the third book and it was published, that was the end of the trilogy. I got so much pressure from people. You cannot leave us here. We need to know more about these people and what's going to happen. So I brought out an unheard of sequel to a trilogy, and it's called Ted Baker in Terrorist Gold. Now, I, I want you to understand two things. The first book, The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, is about a terrorist group that was formed in central Syria in the same town where ISIS was formed. However, I wrote that book in 2012, before ISIS was ever in existence. The fourth book, Terrorist Gold, was written in 2015, published in 2017. In that book is the story now, think about what I'm saying here. 2015 is the story of how the Democratic candidate for president is under the corrupted power of the Russians. Wow. I wrote that in 2000, 2000, 2015. Wow. And people who read people who read that, you can go to Amazon and you can read the reviews on all of the books. People who have read the last one, Terrorist Goal, yeah. ask me the same question. How did you know before anybody else what was going to happen? I said, it just comes to me. So I've written four books on terrorism. 
Um, there is a, uh, a huge twist in the fourth book. Not only are we dealing with the, the, the probability that the Democratic presidential candidate is in the pocket of the Russians, but the terrorists who have been captured or have been confined, sequestered uh, by their own choice on a Caribbean island are planning a new attack on the United States. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it could kill tens of millions of people. So there's um, lots of stories. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, I I really appreciate you coming on, man. And um, so you had, so I I really appreciate it. And um, so the name of those books, please tell everybody so they know. The first three are called the Brotherhood of the Red Nile trilogy. First title. First, the first title is A Terrorist Perspective. The second title is America Rebuilds. And the third story is America Responds. The newest book, Terrorist Gold, it's Ted Baker in Terrorist Gold, is the fourth book in the series. And I've already been told I have to write a fifth. Okay, very good. Well, Dan, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, Foreign policy analysis, oil and natural gas investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, radical Islam expert, and contributor to dailycaller.com, slashdaily.com, livezet.com, dailysurge.com, and thehill.com. Dan Perkins, everyone. Uh, it has been a pleasure, my, my friend, and uh, you're a friend of the show. We'll have you back on soon. Hey, Dan, it's Josh Bernstein. Oh, Josh yes. Bernstein wants to talk to you real quick. How you doing, oh, yeah. buddy? When was the last time you've been on my show? Like four years ago? <laughs> Could be. It's been a while, you right? Have to, you, have to, you have to invite me back on. I will. How about we get? How about you do it this Tuesday? You want to do it this Tuesday? I'll get you his info. Um, I got okay. his contact. Uh, so I know where he's at. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, we'll take a look. We'll have to look at it. I have a. That you talking about next Tuesday, the fifth. This coming Tuesday, yeah, it'll be at uh, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, Arizona Time. Okay, because I've, I've, uh, I have a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers, and we're in 100 facilities across the United States, and I've been invited. Our foundation is providing our MP3 players to uh, veterans who are taking the honor flight uh, to Washington, D.C. from Tampa, Florida. That's later in the day, so I could do something – Something in the morning. So okay. let cool. me know. All right, no problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to reach back to you, and we'll try to see if we can figure out a way to make it work. If not, then uh, we'll do it another time. Okay, super. Thank you. All right. Thanks okay, for no having, problem. Thanks right. for having me on. All right, sure. Dan, we'll have you back on soon. Thank you, man. Cheers, and God bless. Have a great Thank night. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Bye. I want to welcome to the show our very special guest, Josh Bernstein, political strategist, activist, and popular talk show host. You can find his show on YouTube. You can find his show on Amazon. You can find his show on Hulu. He's all over the Internet. He he is a very popular guy right now. Got a lot of good stuff going on. Josh, welcome. How are you? You got a lot of new information uh, from what I understand. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm about to break open, wide open, as a matter of fact, a story that literally makes Uranium One look like a parking ticket. Uh-oh. 
Have you ever heard of Project Pelican? Please, please enlighten me, no. Okay. Project Pelican is a secret project that was done under the Obama administration in 2014. And what they did is they leased for 35 years the ports at Cape Canaveral in Florida. Now, that right there on the surface doesn't sound too bad until you find out who they leased it to. Well, number one, they leased it to a company called Gulf Tainer, G-U-L-F-T-A-I-N-E-R, Gulf Tainer. Gulf Tainer is a subsidiary of another company called Crescent Enterprises. Now, what's the key word there? Crescent. What is Islam all about? The crescent moon. Now, here's where it gets really, really scary. This company is affiliated with Rosatom. Rosatom is the uranium company that took over the uranium one in, and took over one-fifth of our uranium rights. That's bad enough. How about the fact that Crescent Enterprises is owned, run, and operated by the Jafar brothers, J-A-F-A-R. These are uh, Islamic brothers, one of which was a nuclear physicist under Saddam Hussein's regime. Oh, no, that's, that, nothing bad can ever happen, knowing that we now have the 35-year lease of our strategic uh, defense port in Cape Canaveral, by the way, right next to the space station, which we shut down under Obama, which put, it at, put us at a permanent disadvantage against countries like Russia and China in space exploration. If that wasn't bad enough, then we leased out the ports for 35 years to a nuclear physicist that worked for Saddam Hussein's regime and is attached to Uranium One and Rosatom in Russia. And here's the kicker of it all. All of this went down without a CFIUS review. CFIUS is a national security threat assessment review in which 16 agencies have to look at all the deals before they go through. Well, guess what? Barack Obama skipped the CFIUS review, which, by the way, is illegal, and he gave away a 35-year lease on Cape Canaveral's ports without even a national security threat assessment. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is right. Absolutely beyond disgraceful. So, you're doing the whole a whole story. Are you going to be kind of reviving this? Are you doing a report on this? Yeah, I have it. I just haven't rolled it out yet, but uh, I am going to roll it out. I'm just waiting for the right time. Uh, more than likely, mm-hmm. I'll roll it out probably tomorrow night is where is when I'm thinking yep. is when I'll do it because Friday night, you know, there's a lot of people out there on social media, and uh, I think I'm going to roll it out Friday night. It's called. Um, Project Pelican. It'll be a full video, full on everything, all the information you could ever want, and it's going to blow up like you can't believe. Excellent. And and, uh, very cool. Okay. And by the way, um, I'm launching my new media media company this week, and uh, 
I, I put mm-hmm. a lot of money and time, put a lot of money and time into it, and it's going to look uh, very similar to like a Fox News, Infowars, Breitbart, kind of have that sort of feel. And you know, I am going to be. Um, I want, I'm going to want you definitely to be involved quite a bit. Uh, the name is going to be called the Next Gen USA. The Next Gen USA. Um, okay. You know, because it's um, you know, I mean, we're in a we're in a new um, a new time, but uh, but that's very exciting that I'll be releasing that within a few days. The site, so then I'll be putting a lot of stories up. We'll be doing a lot of breaking news. We'll be doing a lot of videos, a lot of that good stuff, a lot of lo- a live video broadcasts, everything of the sort. Um, well, if you I set really, it up, and, and if you set it up, and you set up a, a page on the website for yep. me, um, I can yes, send absolutely. you uh, weekly videos, and you can put them up yep. onto the page. Yeah, we de- yeah, I can definitely set up a whole uh, category for you, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be coming along very well. We got a lot of great people attached to the project, so uh, I'm very excited cool. about that. Um, uh, the other Josh, my other co-host, uh, you got any thoughts, brother? Yeah, I just, a quick question. Um, how many of these type of deals of, you know, secret, secret deals under the Obama administration, do you think that we have not even found out about yet? Like how, speak on how crooked and how evil the Obama administration was for a minute. Yeah. Look, I, that's a great question. Um, obviously, I don't have a direct number, but if I had to guess, there's probably at least another half dozen that in the next couple of years I'm sure are going to come to the surface. Um, I don't know what they are and what they entail. I would imagine many of them would have to do with um, uh, environmental issues, uh, as far as, you know, doing certain things to either give up some of our ocean land or, you know, give up some of our sovereignty or or who knows. I mean, for those that really don't know anything about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that was NAFTA on Jose Canseco-type steroids, okay? That's the only way to really explain it because it wasn't really a trade agreement. It was an immigration agreement. It was a religious freedom agreement. It was uh, an agreement that gave up part of the U.S.'s sovereignty. Uh, It basically made the U.S. uh, being a situation in which they're at a financial disadvantage, and if a company has an issue, they couldn't sue in American courts. They would have to go to a U.N. tribunal. So international companies that did business with us would be at an advantage. They could sue us into oblivion. So it was really bad. We, were, we would have been in bed with many countries that persecute Jews and Christians. We would have had to kowtow to their religious beliefs in product development and manufacturing. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to charge interest because they're not allowed to charge interest in Islam. There's a lot of things that people don't know, not to mention it opened up the floodgates. You think amnesty or DACA is bad, this would have opened up 40-plus countries to be able to freely come into the United States back and forth. So it was a really bad immigration deal, too. So I'm so thankful that uh, we were out of the TPP. I mean, this agreement was so secretive 
that you had to go down to a dark, dank basement in the Capitol building, relinquish your phone, your papers, your pens, your everything, and under lock and key and guard and armed guard, they would bring you down there and let you read the text and then make you swear that you would not say anything publicly about what you read. That's how secretive and just evil the Trans-Pacific Partnership was. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm in doubt. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I did a video on it, 40 minutes or so. I explained every single nook and cranny of that thing. You know, um, Josh, I want to get your thoughts. Um, You know, you did a video uh, about the uh, Joker, Avenatti. Uh, This guy's a fucking quack. Michael Avenatti, uh, Stormy's uh, attorney. Uh, But here's Michael Avenatti yesterday. Um, And this guy is totally off the wall. And uh, even the judge doing the case has said told Avenatti stay out of the public the, the publicity tour like the, I mean this Michael Avenatti guy all he does is love being in front of the camera and now he's making all these demands and he's acting ridiculous this this whole Stormy Daniels thing is it's going nowhere it's it's pretty much I mean it's not even being talked about as much anymore but I mean this is just hilarious listen to this fucking guy we now have what I will refer to as the Trump tapes Strong claims from Michael Avenatti, the attorney for Stormy Daniels. The second version of the Nixon tapes from years ago. Michael Cohen's attorneys confirmed for the first time today that recordings do exist. Avenatti claiming the tapes are in the trove of material seized from Cohen's home, office, and hotel room last month. Lawyers weren't clear exactly who is on the tapes or what is said. Avenatti claims he knows. He says they include conversations between Cohen and Keith Davidson, Stormy Daniels' former attorney, discussing an agreement to silence Daniels about her alleged affair with the president. And Avenatti is demanding the tapes be released to the public. Mr. Cohen and his attorney, Mr. Ryan, should release all of those audio recordings to the American people and to Congress so that they can be heard by all and people can make their own determinations as to their importance. Those remarks outside the federal courthouse came moments after the judge warned Avenatti about his, quote, publicity tour if he wanted to be a part of current court proceedings. Avenatti has since withdrawn his motion to appear in the case. At one point, he also wanted to have access to the seized materials. His demands to release the tapes a sideshow to the government's criminal investigation into Cohen's business practices. Judge Wood telling Cohen's lawyers they have until June 15th to review all seized documents, including data on several cell phones and computers. A special master working on the case has already viewed much of the material to determine if any of it is restricted by attorney-client privilege. Already more than a million items were turned over to the government, and that just comes from three of Cohen's cell phones. Josh, quick. Josh, we've got 10 minutes left. I want your thoughts on that video. I know you did a video about Avenatti, but please, this guy's ridiculous. Well, look, my thoughts are any lawyer worth their salt would be able to get this evidence thrown out because it falls under exactly. client attorney privileges. So Avenatti yeah. can uh, can race cars all he wants, but I don't <laughs> think uh, the race car driver and ambulance chaser is really going to get anywhere with this 
Uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, he's a publicity whore. Let's let's use that term because that's what he is. And I think yeah, yeah. that uh, ultimately, I think that most, if not all, of this uh, information or evidence or whatever you want to call it, uh, should be blocked from being used in a right. court of law. Because again, the the raid was illegal. There's client attorney privilege, and they broke yeah. that. So you know, yeah. here's the thing. You know what's interesting is that. What's his name? Uh, uh, Wiener, right? Anthony Wiener or Carlos Wiener, the Anthony Wiener. Right. Think about this. This is a guy who was laying in bed with his wife, with their kid in the other room, basically fondling himself on his phone, taking pictures while his wife was sleeping there, and sending them. The kid was in the bed. There was a picture of him playing with himself with his while his kid was in there. Okay. Now here's the deal. (laughs) If you think that this sicko who was doing this to a 15-year-old girl didn't have hundreds of thousands of pornographic images with children on his hard drive and his computer, then you're not paying attention. And all of that evidence, Comey knows about, Mueller knows about, the entire FBI, especially the New York FBI offices, they've seen it, they know all about it, and yet... He did, what, a year, I think, or maybe a year and a half in prison. The bottom line is there's a double standard. They cannot release this information. If they do release it, there's going to be major lawsuits even on top of that. And I think as much as Avenatti wants to play this role, he understands that likely he's going to get nowhere with this because of the client-attorney privilege. If that is to be held up in a court of law, if it's not – and they allow this out, then you can immediately file, um, you know, uh, an objection to that. And who knows, maybe this thing will go all the way up to the Supreme Court and they'll decide whether or not this information can get out. But ultimately, uh, I don't think Avenetti is, uh, you know, is is dealing with a, a full deck here. So you're absolutely right. I want to, you know, we have about six minutes. I have a, I have a couple more topics I really want to get in. In, in you know, ask you about it's very important. You know your whole thoughts, and I know you you've been really uh, doing a lot of stories about this. You know the whole Roseanne thing is so hypocritical, and I saw your video. You even did a, a video about this recently uh, this week about the whole Roseanne hypocrisy. But he, here's the thing: you have Joy Reid who literally looks like an ape for Planet of the Apes, and I'll say it gladly. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, but here's the thing. Joy Reid is, is, a, is, a, is a bully, too. You remember all the homophobic things that she said, and then she claims a hacker right. did it? And why is Joy Reid still on the air? Why are all of these other people, on the, especially on the left, not held to the same standard? And we look at Samantha B, who just called Ivanka Trump a cunt, and, you know, she's getting her ads pulled, and she's getting – she's paying the consequences. But Joy Reid and some of these other uh, political uh, commentators, they still have their jobs. Yeah, and look at Joy Behar. Here's a woman who oh, shouldn't geez, even be yeah, on her television. Too. I mean, she Making literally disgraced every Catholic in the world yeah. and America, yeah. and she absolutely yeah. destroyed Vice President Mike Pence, and yet nothing, nothing. And by the way – when Wanda Sykes found out that she was fired, do you know what she said? 
She called she President Trump an orangutan. Okay? Yeah, she exactly. Called him an orangutan. What about Bill Maher? What about Bill Maher comparing Trump to a monkey? Remember when Bill Maher uh, made the Trump comparison to a uh, a monkey? Yeah, uh, there's a total double standard here. Total yeah. double standard. But you know what? Roseanne is going to come out of this smelling like a rose. She's going to get picked up like by Tim another Allen network. She'll be just like Tim Allen with last man standing. They'll make, they'll, exactly. They'll the same thing up. will happen. Somebody will pick her up. They're probably on the phone discussing it right now. Yeah, and, and you know, it, and it's, it's a shame. You know, you got a lot of her co-hosts coming out bashing her. But uh, in the end, that's uh, going to have to be figured out. But uh, big, really thing I want to ask you that I'm wondering about, we got about four minutes left. Real quick, though. President Trump is considering a pardon for Martha Stewart and uh, the governor, Rod Blagojevich from uh, Illinois. As we know, he's in prison for 18-year sentence. He was the ex-governor of Illinois. Uh, Martha Stewart, I can kind of understand the pardon. Martha Stewart, uh, you know, there's still, um, you know, I, if you look at what she did, People do that on a daily basis every second of every day. I mean, Martha Stewart, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with what happened to Martha Stewart. So I can understand right, right. that pardon. But with the, with the governor from Illinois, I don't understand that pardon because that guy, you know what that guy did? He sold, tried to sell one of Obama's did, Yeah, seat. he was trying to sell Barack Obama's yeah. Senate seat. So here's the thing. Yeah. Pre- President Trump shouldn't have to pardon him. It should have been Barack Obama. Barack Obama right. allowed him to take the fall, and when he right. took the fall and went to jail, Barack Obama should have pardoned him if he really wanted to on the way out, but he didn't because it shows the type of person Obama is. He's a user and an abuser. So why should yep. Trump then go ahead and get this guy out of prison? I wouldn't do it. I don't why? It wouldn't make any it. sense. He was trying to sell Barack Obama's Senate seat to the highest bidder. I think Jesse Jackson yeah. Jr. was involved with it and everything else. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean that's like right there. And the fact that Trump is even considering that guy, I don't understand it whatsoever, one bit. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, it, it would be like mar- uh, having, I don't know, like Valerie Jarrett thrown in jail. And at the end of his yeah. uh, presidency, he, he pardons her. I, I, you know, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Martha Stewart, I can understand, but that's a different story. You know, um, insider, yeah. you know, you know, it's, it's that, that's, that's something I can understand. But well, the look, whole he's done some good Illinois. things. Scooter Libby, uh, Sheriff Joe, um, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, Jack Jones. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, another he, one he's I done talk, some good ones. I talk, yeah, I talked about that at the beginning of my show. Dinesh D'Souza definitely deserved the pardon. That guy uh, was totally innocent, did did nothing wrong. I mean, very, you know, they got him purposely, maliciously, the left. And we all know this. It was a no, setup. No question about it. Yeah. Um, but we have a minute left. Um, Josh, go ahead. Uh, make your announcement real sure. quick, 30 seconds, and then i gotta, I got to run. Sure. But uh, I want you to give you – No yeah. problem. So um, – uh, check out AMAC, uh, the Association of Mature American Citizens, uh, the conservative alternative to AARP, a seniors-based organization for folks 50 years of age and older. 
And uh, if you contact 888-262-2006, again, 888-262-2006, call that number, mention that you heard this offer on the Rory Souter Show, and we'll give you a free membership. So, again, 888-262-2006, or find us on the web at amac.us. Excellent. And mention your show as well. Yeah, and my show can be found on Amazon. You can download my app on uh, Android or iPhone. Uh, You can help me out and beat censorship at patreon.com forward slash Josh Bernstein. Uh, I'm all over the place. You can find my Wikipedia site just by typing in my name. And uh, I appreciate all the, you know, the support out there. Absolutely. Uh, Always a pleasure, Josh. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. And, uh, you know, thank you, man. You're, You're a great friend of the show. No problem. My pleasure. Have a good night, man. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye. I want to thank Josh. Are you still there, my co-host, my buddy? Sure am. Absolutely. If you have any announcements, make them quick. Ten seconds, and then I got to go. Yeah. No. Uh, the only thing is, if you want, uh, give me a follow on Instagram if you care. It's J O S H H L A V A T Y at Instagram. Perfect. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow. Um, I want to thank all of my listeners uh, for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. It's been an awesome show. I want to thank all my guests. I want to thank Dan Perkins. I want to thank Mike Zolo. I want to thank Josh Bernstein, and I want to thank my co-host, uh, Josh, as well. Uh, it, you know, it's, um, it's been a great show. We've uh, got a lot established, and uh, we can't wait to see you next time, everybody. And, uh, again, God bless everybody for tuning in. Thank you to all my fans. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful night. Um, Cheers, everyone. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>